Hey, just a couple things before I start my sermon. Uh, two weeks from this Sunday, we will have, uh, we're going to have an appreciation meal uh, for Byron Smith um, as he uh, moves from his primary responsibility, which has been students, to full-time responsibilities as associate pastor with Will Stacy coming on. In May, we wanted to have a time that we just express appreciation to Byron uh, for what he's done in the last six years with our students. And so we'll have a church-wide meal, and we'll be getting details to that about that to you. But if you'll be looking forward to that uh, after the morning service. So, hey, one other thing is um, if you are new to our church, um, traditionally there's some things because of COVID we haven't maybe been doing uh, one of the things uh, brother Fred the preacher would always go to the back door you know uh, at the end of the service I, I I'm staying around the front uh, but if you are new I would love to get to meet you if you want to just come up and visit with me and this morning we do have family conference for a few minutes afterwards but I'll uh, kind of my pattern my flow of the morning service would be that I will come and uh, stick around the front and even if you have decisions to make related to church membership or salvation I would love the opportunity to visit with you uh, then about that so with that being said I want to start a new sermon series this morning uh, and I want to talk about uh, the seed the soil and the sower uh, Jesus was a teacher and in his three-year ministry, uh, I really believe that's what Jesus spent most of his time doing. Jesus was a teacher. Um, in fact, the Bible tells us what his major theme was. As a teacher, it was the kingdom of God. What Jesus taught about was the kingdom of God. And invariably, when Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, he utilized what's called in the Bible parables. Parables. And if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, not so much John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see the parables of Jesus. Jesus used parables to teach about the kingdom of God, and he spent most of his time teaching. That's what Jesus did. Now, now, obviously, Jesus performed miracles. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. I understand, ultimately, Jesus is the Savior who gives his life on the cross and um, is raised from the dead. But I believe as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus spent the majority of his time as a teacher now when Jesus uses parables and that may not be a term I don't know if we have parables today I mean we do but I don't know that we call them parables um, parables are earthly metaphors that help us understand heavenly truths earthly metaphors that help us understand heavenly truths 
So Jesus took things that the people knew and understood and used those to help them understand the things they didn't. Heavenly, spiritual truths. And Jesus talked about, if you read the Gospels, uh, he talks about sheep, shepherds, talks about banquets and kings. He talks about weddings, builders and buildings. He talked about merchants and I'm sure there's, there's more. The one I want us to focus on is I want to talk about the, the farming or agricultural parables that Jesus told and predominantly focus on one chapter in one gospel, not exclusively, but predominantly, which would be Matthew 13. I want to talk between now and summer about the agricultural parables that Jesus told predominantly in Matthew 13 and talk about the three components that we find in those, which is the seed, the soil, and the sower. And I want us to take those, which are an earthly metaphor, and help us understand what Jesus was teaching us about heavenly truth. I want to read kind of the, the biggie, which is the parable of the sower. I don't want to preach about that today. I want to save that. Um, but I want to use it as a way of kicking off this sermon series about the seed, the soil, and the sower. And so it says in Matthew chapter 13, hey, and I'm getting a little bit, I think my pulpit mic's still on maybe. Um, it says in Matthew 13, uh, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And Jesus concludes and he says, he who has, an, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We see in that kind of major parable for Matthew 13, the three components that I want to talk about in the weeks to come, which would be the seed, the soil, and the sower. 
And I want to start with the seed. Now, uh, I want to say this morning that apart from the seed, the whole process breaks down. But, but maybe there's a sense that, and, and we could make a contention for this, that if the soil is not right, if the sower is not operating, then the process also breaks down. But I would say this, the initial starting point is the seed because in the seed is the power of reproduction. The power of reproduction is essential to the process of producing a crop. And I know that any of those three components you could eliminate and probably the, the process breaks down, but I want to start with the seed because I believe that the seed is essential and it, the seed is essential because it has the power of reproduction. Now, what was Jesus saying? If we just start with the seed, if, if this is an agricultural metaphor, then what does the seed represent? And it's very simple and very clear. Jesus says this later, that the seed is the word. The word. Uh, Jesus says later in chapter 13, um, verse 19, <clears throat> if I lose my voice, I don't really know what happens. I think I've got to, I think I've got to bring it down. Okay, I've got to, I may have to start whispering here. Um, chapter 13, verse 19, Jesus, when he explains the parable, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, Jesus tells us there what the symbolism of the seed is, that the seed equals the word. And that's, that's pretty clear. The seed is the word of the kingdom. Um, we'll describe it in some different ways. The word of God, the gospel. There's probably a lot of ways we could describe it, but just in your mind, I want you to see that mental picture that the seed equals the word. Um, now, chapter 13 of Matthew has a series of parables, and I've read you the first one, the parable that is traditionally called the parable of the sower. Um, later in chapter 13, he, uh, starting in verse 24, and we'll look at that, I think, next Sunday, is the parable of the wheat and the tares. After that is the parable of the mustard seed. All of these are agricultural parables that are lumped together in this section of Scripture. And if you understand the context of Matthew 13, uh, that you understand that Mark and Luke also record these parables as a collection. Now, this morning I want us to look at Mark's account. After I've just said the whole sermon series is based upon Matthew 13, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. The big context is Matthew 13, but when you look at Mark chapter 4, you see the parable of the sower, um, and later on you're going to see the parable of the mustard seed, 
But in verse 26 through 29, it's the parable of the secretly growing seed. And I want us to talk about this morning, at a starting point, why is the seed essential? And what do we learn from this concept that within the seed is the power of reproduction? So I want us to focus this morning on the seed. And there's no better parable to teach us about the seed than the parable in Mark 4, 26 through 29, the parable of the secretly growing seed. It's only recorded in Mark. If it had been in Matthew, I would have stayed in Matthew. It's not there. It's only in Mark's account. Now, wow. I have to pause right now. Uh, and this doesn't mean anything to anybody other than I have to get this off my mind. Um, because when I come to the parable of the secretly growing seed, um, and if any of my seminary buddies ever watch this sermon, they'll go, yes, no, I remember that. Dr. Thomas Uri, it was his favorite parable. He said it was the key to understanding the gospel of Mark. Dr. Uri was not only my New Testament professor during my master's, but he was my faculty supervisor for my doctor of ministry degree. Dr. Uri passed away uh, two years ago, but Dr. Uri loved the parable of the secretly growing seed. And if you went to his office, there was a, um, a needlepoint, a needlepoint framed of the parable of the secretly growing seed. Okay, I've got that off my mind. There's also a very funny story. I tell you what, if you stick around for family conference, at the end of family conference, I'll tell you about the day the ferret got caught in the dishwasher at Dr. Uri's house. But I'm not going to tell you how the ending goes until the end of family conference. But anyhow, I wanted to tell that story. I don't have time for it this morning. Dr. Uri loved to tell stories. And he loved the parable of the secretly growing seed. And Jesus tells this. It's only recorded in Mark. And it says in Mark 4, verse 26, it says, and he said, the kingdom of God, because remember, the parables teach us about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. In verse 26, we see the three components of the seed, the soil, and the sower. He says the kingdom of God is if a man, that's the sower, should scatter seed, there's the seed, and on the ground. And so that's the soil. Uh, but there's something unique that Jesus is teaching here, and it is about the seed, because it says in verse 27, it says, and the man should sleep by night 
and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow he himself does not know how now this is very important as we understand the seed the sower does not understand how the seed works just just mark that but he knows that it will work but he does not know how the seed works but in that next verse in verse 28 it says for the earth yields crops by itself first the blade then the head after that the full grain in the head um, the farmer does not know how the seed grows why it works but he knows that it does work and when he plants it it starts a process that leads ultimately to the harvest verse 28 for the earth yields crops by itself <laughs> oh when I was I was looking at this in uh, the original language in Greek and when I came to by itself and I don't ever remember seeing this I know Dr. Uri knows this the word by itself is literally the Greek word automatic I looked at it and went whoa that's where we get the word automatic by itself why does the seed produce it's automatic because it is programmed within itself to produce life now I know this is this is very basic but please understand the farmer does not know how it works but also he is not in control of it working it works automatically it is seeds are are genetically programmed to produce life and you know where that came from it's very interesting to me I'm, I'm studying this I'm going wait a second I'm pretty sure in Genesis chapter 1 it says this and this is it's 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 interesting to me we come to Genesis 1 and on the third day of creation after light and the firmament God makes the ground to divide the firmament and it says in verse 11 of Genesis 1 it says after God's made the earth the ground it says and God called the dry earth I'm sorry the dry land earth I'm sorry that's verse 10 verse 11 sorry then God said let the earth bring forth grass the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth and it was so and then he repeats it for emphasis in verse 12 and the earth brought forth grass the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind and God saw that it was good for some reason in the creation account 
Two whole verses are recorded in inspired scripture that it was God who created the seed. You say, how is a seed genetically programmed to reproduce life? Because that's the way God made it. The farmer doesn't understand it. We can't understand it. The farmer cannot control it. But seeds were created by God to be genetically reproductive. That is what they do. And do you know why, how God created that seed genetically programmed to produce life? This is the kicker for me, for us today. He spoke it into existence. What does God do on every day of creation? He says, let there be light, and there was light. He says, let there be firmament, and there was firmament. God said, let there be dry ground. He spoke it, and it was so. God spoke the seed into existence. Do you know the only way we have any living thing today? I don't, I don't, know, but I don't know if I can make that statement. I know, Mr. Frank, I know your science mind's sitting there. There, I know there's some kind of amoeba or something that, that like separates itself and regenerates itself. I don't know. I'm sorry. My mind's just... I don't know. The vast majority of things in creation come from a seed, whether that's a human being, whether that's a plant, an animal, anything else. It comes from a seed. You know what blows my mind? Is that the seed of the grass in the front lawn of the church has to trace itself all the way back to the third day of creation because only seed creates other seed. A farmer cannot create seed, only the plant. Only he can take a plant and plant that seed and it will produce more seed, but he cannot create seed. The whole process is dependent upon that seed. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weird, but I just think it all traces back to the third day of creation when God created the first seed that has then propagated itself through thousands of years to bring us to today. Everything that exists today exists because there was seed in the very beginning that was spoken into existence by God. The seed is genetically programmed. I'm talking about in the physical realm. Is genetically programmed to reproduce because it was spoken into existence by God. The whole process is dependent on the seed. There is no other way to reproduce life except by a seed. I may be wrong on that, but I know the vast majority of things in existence in our world, and if you're science people, just come talk to me after the service. I'll also tell you the story of the ferret that got caught in the dishwasher that day at Dr. Uri's house. But anyhow, you have to stick around until after a family conference. Life is only reproduced.
harvest by seed because it was genetically programmed by God to reproduce life. And Jesus, that's what he's teaching in the parable of the secretly growing seed. The farmer goes out and he plants it. And he sleeps, he rises. He doesn't know how, but he's planted the seed and it produces life automatically by itself. He can't control it. He doesn't understand it. It just works because that's the way God created it. And the question today is, what is the spiritual truth that Jesus was teaching. What is it? What is, if, if Jesus is using an earthly metaphor, what is the spiritual truth that Jesus was teaching? You got to get this at the start of a sermon series on the seed, the soil, and the sower. The Word of God has reproductive power. The Word of God has reproductive power. Do you get it? The Word is like a seed. It is genetically programmed to reproduce life. Now understand there's some other factors like the soil, which we will talk about, and the sower. I understand that. But in the same way that God in Genesis 1 comes and creates the physical realm and he brings the first physical seed, Jesus comes as the incarnate Son of God and he brings the Word of God. What does he do in the three years? He teaches. Because his words are like a seed that he was planting in people's hearts. And that word was infused with reproductive power. And here it is. <laughs> Eternal life is only produced through the word. Think about the metaphor. Eternal life, life that comes from God and sustains itself beyond this, this world, is only produced by Jesus' words. There is this statement, man, and this is, this is the end of it. I'm almost finished. Not only my voice, but the content of my sermon is almost finished. There is this scene in John chapter 6. It's, it's John's telling of the feeding of the 5,000. But as John lays it out, he comes to these hard sayings that Jesus makes. And um, at the end of John chapter 6, it says, And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more got a little bit hard and it wasn't as fun anymore and they began to walk away then Jesus said to the twelve 
do you also want to go away? Here it is. Who do you think spoke up that day? <laughs> oh, you know it's Peter. This is John 6, 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Here's the statement. You have the words of eternal life. Lord, where are we going to go? Nobody else has the words of eternal life that are, when they're placed in our hearts, they produce eternal life. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The Word of God, and specifically the words of Jesus, are the seed that are infused with reproductive power to bring forth eternal life. I, I want to end with verse 29 of Mark 4. Mark 4, 29. I have one last point I want to make. So Jesus, the last verse of the parable of the secretly growing seed, Jesus says, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The ultimate end of everything we will talk about is the harvest. And, but it's this phrase, he puts in the sickle. Uh, literally, the Greek there says he sends out the sickle. And the reason I noticed that, so there really there were two words that jumped out at me when I looked at this in the Greek, and it was the word automatic, but it was also this word that he puts in the sickle or he sends out because that word puts in or sends out is literally the word that we get apostle from which means someone who is sent out and here's the point Christians the end of the process is that Jesus says I'm sending you out for the harvest I'm sending you out and we haven't gotten to that point yet but we're going to get to it when we talk about the sower because there's there's an integral part in the process and that is someone who will go out and cast the seed this is what I want you to understand today and the reason I start with this is the seed has the power of reproduction and in fact there is no life apart from that seed and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ he has entrusted that seed to you and to me we've been entrusted with the seed that is the only means of producing life in anyone's heart
Do you understand the responsibility that we have? Because what happened, there was a day that the seed was planted in my heart. And by the grace of God, the soil was good and it produced a crop. And I don't know if it's 100, I don't know if it's 60, I don't know whether it's 30. But seed begets more seed. And so the seed was produced in my life and I am responsible for being a sower of that seed. And the only hope that anyone around me has of having life produced in them is if somebody will share the seed with them. There's no other way. There's no other life apart from the seed. It's the only chance that life will be produced and it's been entrusted to us. I want you to stand this morning and I want you to know that I have said to you, I have taught you what Jesus taught his followers that there is only life in the reproductive power of the seed which is the word of God and you've been entrusted that and you are a, you are a steward of that God has given that to you and the people around you cannot experience life unless somebody shares the seed in their lives. That is a truth. That is a word that I have taught to you today. Listen, you are now responsible what you will do with that. The pastor has scattered the seed. The seed Please understand this, and we'll talk about this more later. The seed of truth is not just the word of salvation. It is the word of God's truth. And I have scattered the seed of truth today. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that seed today will fall on one of four kinds of soil today, even in church. And it'll be the condition of your heart. And if your heart is hard, and the seed does not penetrate, you'll walk out of this room, and the enemy will just eat that seed up. And it will not matter, because it didn't penetrate. For some, the soil will be shallow and rocky. I don't know, you may be like, man, I got to go and I got to tell people about Jesus. I've got to relationally connect the gospel to the people around me. And you're all excited and you fire up, boop, but it's shallow. You didn't really let it grow down deep. And the sun's going to come out tomorrow at work. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Or at school, and it's going to burn it up. And what we talked about today, the truth will not matter because the soil was shallow and it was rocky. For some of you, you may all, it may, your, your soil may be a little bit deeper and it may spring up, but the cares of this world this week is going to choke it out. And it's not going to produce any fruit. But Jesus said, 
some of it's going to fall on good soil and it's going to take root and it's going to produce 60, 160, or 30 fold because some took it and said, I have been entrusted with the word of God and there is life in no other means other than that word of the truth that Jesus taught in his kingdom. Um, from last year, I've said this, that our greatest challenge will be to relationally connect the gospel to those around us. It is the one thing we must do. At Easter, we talked about what Jesus said to the disciples. Who do you say that I am? I am telling you today, the reason that I preach these sermons is that we would understand we have been given the only means of life for the people around us. And there will be different soils, but we are responsible. So that other people can experience the life that we have experienced. Amen. today. I want to lead us in prayer. We're going to reconvene back in here for a short family conference. At the end of the family conference, I will tell what happened to Dr. Uri's ferret that got caught in the dishwasher. Somehow I'm supposed to pray right after that. Let me pray. Father, today we pray that our soil would be good today that our hearts would be prepared to receive your word that says there is power in the word if only we will share it. And Father, I pray that we would take that responsibility seriously. You would help us to be sensitive to those that we encounter uh, in our course of life and we would share that, that they might experience life also. And Father, we trust that to you in Jesus' name, amen.